Let's pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, we're going to start with this. I know, you want to watch the whole movie now, so do I. But now you have to listen to me instead of listen to her sing. Well, why? In the opening sequence of The Sound of Music, did you notice how it begins with a sweeping shot of the majestic Austrian Alps with a woman in the distance on top of a hill? Then the camera kind of zooms in, doesn't it, for a close-up of the woman, Maria, who is singing and dancing. And the camera then stays on her. And it will stay on her for the rest of the movie, for the rest of the story, because this story is about her. One particular person whose story suddenly takes center stage. That opening shot in that iconic movie is very reminiscent of our lesson today about Abraham. The first 11 chapters of Genesis is like, uh, is like the Austrian Alps. It's big, very cosmic in scope. God creates the heavens and the earth. God uh, sabotages a skyscraper built by the people of Babel. God sends a flood to cover the whole earth. God created everything and trusted human beings to take care of it, watched as we messed things up, then responded with retribution. In chapter 12, the camera lens moves from a wide-angle panoramic lens to a zoom lens and very tight focus from the global to the particular. God decides to begin a movement through one person. Abraham, who will become the father of a nation. People have always wondered, well, why did God choose Abraham? What made him so great? There's nothing in his profile to suggest such a lofty appointment. Winston Churchill had his own way of saying it. He once said about one of his rivals that, uh, quote, he was a humble man with much to be humble about. Well, Abraham didn't seem to be anybody special either. The way this story is being told, zooming in on this seemingly insignificant man from Mesopotamia, also tells us about God's emerging character and strategy. As we learned last week, God 
has now decided to never again flood the earth to kill the life he has created. God seems to be learning in real time as this story is told. No matter how messed up things are on earth, no more flood. On the contrary, now God intends to get up close and personal with, <laughs> with the troubled children that he has created and work with them. And it starts with Abraham. It says God just started talking to Abraham. He asked Abraham to get up, leave his home, and go to where God was going to lead him, which, as it turns out, kind of a long ways away. Okay, this is all well and good, except for uh, two things that I can think of. Abraham is 75 years old. Hello? Not the greatest time to hit the road and wing it with no plan. And he and his wife Sarah have no kids. Didn't God mention descendants in there somewhere? How How does this work? How would you feel if you were Abraham? Well, how would you? In light of our children's message, um, he may have been thinking, well, this is something new. Or as Minnesotans would say, well, that's different. I'm going to pick up and just leave. And this is probably even scarier for Abraham than learning how to ride a new bike or learn how to swim. These verses are so important. This is where... The biblical story, the Judeo-Christian story, really begins. Israel won't be a nation yet for many generations, but it has to start somewhere, so Abraham is the start of it all. He is Father Abraham to the Jews and the father of our faith for Christians, our first role model about faith and trust, even when it seems like we're blindfolded. We want to see more. When God said, pick up and go, Abraham picks up and goes in faith and continues to follow God's leading and to believe in his promises, <laughs> yes, with, with more than a few stumbles along the way. It was, that, might have been, that, that was scripted, I think, that, that Tessa and, and uh, Greta had, had that stumble. That's the way faith is. Faith doesn't see everything, never does. That's what makes it faith. However, Enough about Abraham. In this story, Abraham is not the main actor. Any guess who, who is? It's God. God makes three promises to Abraham and states a grand vision, a vision bigger than the Austrian Alps. God, you see, is guiding Abraham, even though Abraham didn't see everything. Number one, God says to Abraham that he, God, will make Abraham's name great and that a great nation will come from him. That nation, uh, we, we will later find out, is what? Israel. Number two, God will give Abraham's descendants land. The land of Canaan, the original promised land. And three, Abraham and his descendants, this is God's third promise, will be blessed by God continually. And they will be blessed, here's a result clause, in order to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. 
in order that, so that all the families of the earth will be blessed through them. Now, why? Why is God doing this? Because God just thinks Abraham's really cool and I've got to work with Abraham? No. The answer is found in promise number three. The promise of a nation and of land and of continual blessings is not just because God wants Abraham's descendants to have good things, although that may be true. All these things are for the sake of the world and all the people in it. We have to be reminded of that from time to time when we think tribally, us against them, whoever them and they might be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. This is a huge move God is making here. God is choosing to have a personal relationship with an ordinary person with all kinds of flaws in order to start a movement and change the world. This movement, this chosen people, will be a testament to the God who cares as we know now God cares, who seeks to reconcile the world to himself. And so, God will bless his creation instead of drowning it. God's purpose is global, but it's accomplished one person at a time from here on out. Do you see where you fit in? Maybe? Abraham can either believe in, have faith in God's promises or not. But pay attention to what faith means here. Faith, unlike how many in our society view it, is not just intellectual assent. Sure, I, I believe in God. I agree with that idea. I agree with all the stuff the church says about God. I agree. I, I give my assent. To... No. That's just the first baby step. Faith means, in this context and always, following with your whole life because faith is a relationship. It is a relationship of trust with God who is in a partnership with you in this world. Faith is relationship. The reason we're here today is that this same God has called out to each of us personally to bless you so that you will be a blessing to others. And our response is always faith, living in a trusting relationship with God day by day. That's what it means to be church. Abraham's story is also a vision for the future, our future, even today. We at Mount Carmel have been led to four strategic priorities as a part of our vision, what we believe God is calling us to for the future and also in the present. And the Abraham story points the way on all four. Bing, 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 bing. It's just right there. And those, those four, they've been phrased different ways. Growing faith, growing faith together, responding to God's calling, blessing our neighbors. Again, what was Abraham known for? Faith, the father of our faith. 
for any Christian church, and certainly for Mount Carmel, what, what kind of business are we in? <laughs> the, what, what's that? The God business. We're in the God business. We're in the faith business. We're into the trusting in God, having faith in God. That's what we are about. That is our first priority. You've probably heard uh, uh, me or Tim or Paul or someone uh, talk about faith practices. Um, How many of you have heard that term faith practices and you've heard me, whether I'm preaching about it or somebody's talking about it? How many, how many have, have heard about faith practices? Yeah. Maybe, maybe more than you uh, wish to hear. How many of you are really excited about faith practices? Raise your hand. How many of you are not sure what faith practices really are? Raise your hand. This is the time for it. If we can't be honest here... How many of you just really don't like this faith practice stuff as far as you understand it to this point? Again, it's okay. It's, it's, it's new stuff. It's like learning to ride a... In some ways new, in some ways not at all. Let me ask you a question. What are faith practices? Anyone here uh, ever play an instrument or perhaps in the past or now or a sport at any point in your life? Raise your hand. Yeah, that's just about everyone. Did you ever, or do you ever, practice if you played a sport or an instrument? Why? To get better at what you're doing, to build your capacity to increase that thing that you're trying to do. You do faith practices to grow your faith. (laughs) Maybe we wouldn't phrase it as to get better, but to grow your faith, your capacity to be in relationship with God and experience that, to trust more and to follow God's leading. And like Abraham, it's not just believing certain things in your head. It's following with your life. And those practices include, okay, what, what have you heard? What are some, what are some uh, we've talked about different, what, what have you heard out there? What are faith practices? Okay, a daily, a daily uh, devotion, which usually involves scripture. So kind of, a, and we've talked about dwelling in the word, but, but yeah, and that, that's one way to do that. Um, yeah, devotion, dwelling in the word. Others? Reaching out to your community. It's sometimes called missional experimenting, but it's getting out there. Or some would call, call it a dwelling in the world. Just as we dwell in the word, we dwell. Others? Examples? Okay, a few others that we've talked about, those that you write on the mark with that. Um, learning about God and faith and discussing it with others, which we, we do in various contexts. Praying, we uh, do that every time we gather here. Sharing highs and lows with each other. You know, the mutual conversation, consolation of the saints. Sharing how your faith journey is going with someone. Sharing what you're grateful for. Are you thankful? Um, is there benefit in talking about what you're grateful for? Yeah. Discerning what God wants you to do, practicing hospitality. Now, part of faith and growing in faith happens when we're at home or alone, right? 
we will soon be sharing a congregation-wide initiative to help all of you build your faith in the privacy of your own home through devotions, prayer, and some other activities that we'll be suggesting. Stay tuned for that. The truth is, faith practices might sound intimidating to some of you. Why not? But practicing alone at home is a bit less so and very valid. Let's move on to number two. Growing faith together. God promised Abraham that he was going to be the father of a great nation, a people. Why? Because in the Judeo-Christian tradition, we are a people first, individuals second. Yes, God works through us individually, for sure, 24-7. But there's a reason it's God's chosen people, not God's chosen individuals. Our vision is first growing in faith, but it continues growing in faith together. The power of the Holy Spirit among us multiplies exponentially when people are in community with one another, practicing the mutual conversation and consolation of the saints, which can take place in so many different ways, you and me. That's why you'll see more and more opportunities to be together with others in learning or serving or discovering capacities. You know, I mean... From the existing, like, uh, like the Eunice Lois circle, to other uh, small groups that are emerging, again, stay tuned. As we know from our own fireplaces in the winter, a horrifying thought, a fireplace with a fire in it on a day like today. But imagine it's winter. And think of an ember by itself and how quickly that ember by itself will lose heat quickly. While an ember with many other embers together will hold on to its heat much longer, right? That's why we need each other to grow in our faith. And it doesn't mean if you're an introvert that you have to become an extrovert being with other Christians. True community allows space for both introverts and extroverts and values each one. Third, still got them up there, God calls each of us to certain tasks and empowers us to respond. Even though Abraham was an ordinary man, God called Abraham and formed a partnership with him. God decided with Abraham that God would work through regular people like you and me to accomplish his purposes. It worked with Abraham only because Abraham had faith and knew where the power was coming from, who the main actor was. No different with us. God calls each of us into partnerships with him. All we do is have faith and offer our gifts, and God does the heavy lifting. So that's why we have the GPS course, Finding Direction in Faith and Life's Journey, which starts October 11th. It's all about discovering how you're gifted and what God might call you to do in your giftedness. And fourth, and finally, Abraham was blessed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. We too are blessed at Mount Carmel, are we not? And our blessings do not end here. We are blessed to be a blessing to our neighbors. How do we bless our neighbors? Well, there are many ways, but it surely involves listening to them, getting to know them, finding common cause and community with them, the sorts of things I think we're seeing. You know, this is what the Lord is up to and for us to discern uh, the neighborhood night out that uh, 
um, Lynette and some others got, got going. Uh, and Carmel Fest are, are good starts to sending a signal to our neighbors that God's blessing is for them too. And uh, one just final note before I close. One really important thing that we will discover in all this, our neighbors will bring a blessing to us as well. It's not just us bringing blessings to them because God is loose in the neighborhood already. We're not simply bringing God to them. We're sharing God with one another. So, Abraham's story and ours are kind of the same. They're about faith, faith together, being blessed, and being called, and being blessed to be a blessing. Amen.